1: Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, lots going on here, seems like every day, so I want to drill down in an area where most people are not going to drill down or may not be able to, and that is a court hearing today in Washington, D.C., in front of a three-judge panel of the District of Columbia Circuit Court, the appeals court. That court was expanded by Obama and Harry Reid. As you know, if you listen to this program, they added more seats and they filled them with radical Obama Democrats. And so they control that court. And the issue before the court is whether a former president has immunity from prosecution for decisions, even thoughts, as it were, that he had as president of the United States. Hmm. Now, we wouldn't be in this position if this farcical prosecution hadn't taken place in the first place with the Klan Act and the Enron Act and the Federal Contractor Act having nothing to do with January 6th, violence, sedition or insurrection. So the Democrat Party, the Biden administration and rogue Jack Smith have dragged us to this point. Have dragged us to this point. So if you cannot indict a sitting president, you can wait in the weeds, you can wait in the shadows, and indict that president after the fact, that is, once they're retired or they're defeated, once they're out of office, that's the question. Now you can see what kind of disastrous consequences that can have. You would think that Barack Obama and his ilk, his fellow Marxists, would understand this. You would think that judges on the court would understand this. But the result-oriented, and Donald Trump is Hitler, you know, so they have to deal with it. I want to remind people that the American Criminal Liberties Union, back in 2010, condemned Barack Milhouse Benito Obama. Why did they condemn him? In a press release, they wrote, the Obama administration today argued before a federal court that it should have unreviewable authority to kill Americans. The executive branch has unilaterally determined to pose a threat. Government lawyers made that claim in response to a lawsuit, says the ACLU, by the ACLU and the Center for Constitutional Rights, charging that the administration asserted targeted killing authority violates the Constitution and international law. The U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia heard arguments on both sides. Not only does the administration claim to have sweeping power to target and kill U.S. citizens anywhere in the world, but it makes the extraordinary claim that the court has no role in reviewing that power or the legal standards that apply. Said CCR staff attorney, Pardris Cabrera, who presented arguments in the case. The Supreme Court has repeatedly rejected the government's claim to an unchecked system of global detention. And the district court should similarly reject the administration's claim here to an unchecked system of global targeted killings. Mm. The government filed a brief in the case claiming the executive's targeted killing authority is a political question. That should not be subject to judicial review. The government also asserted the state secrets privilege. The lawsuit was filed against CIA Director Leon Panetta, Defense Secretary Robert Gates, President Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama, the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. Attorneys on the case are Jaffer, Benway, well, who cares? What did the court do? It ducked it. It dismissed the case on procedural grounds without addressing the merits. So could Barack Milhouse, Benito, Obama... And the rest of his comrades have been indicted after they left office for killing American citizens who they claimed were terrorists. And may well have been, by the way. I'm not defending it. I'm just making a point. I'm making a point about logic and how these things are presented. Could Obama be indicted for killing people overseas who are American citizens who he claims were terrorists? Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. That's a lot of power, ladies and gentlemen. You can hear the left saying it right now. Oh, my God! He must be Hitler! Of course, they only apply that to Barry Goldwater, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, and Donald Trump. Democrats can't be Hitler. No, no. So the Obama administration claimed absolute power... to assassinate American citizens abroad who they claimed were terrorists, terrorist sympathizers, or collateral damage. Collateral damage, because this involved a 16-year-old. Collateral damage. Could Obama be charged with murder? After he leaves office? Why not? Why not? Well, don't ask Judge Florence Pan, a radical leftist on the D.C. Circuit Court. Here's what she had to say in part to President Trump's lawyer, Dean John Sawyer. Cut to Mr. Producer. Go.
0: But, but, but your he, position is that he can't be prosecuted for that unless yeah, he's impeached. That was as long as it's an official act. I mean, in certain cases, purely private conduct under Clinton against Jones, he'd be subject to prosecution for that as long as he's not in office. Could but could as long president- as it's an official act. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to SEAL Team 6? He, he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal but now
1: The answer to me, the better answer is yes, that's one part of it but, and removed from office. But can he be criminally charged? He would be impeached and removed from office and criminally charged because that's not part of his official duties calling up. Seal Team 6 to assassinate a political opponent. I mean, how ridiculous is this judge? They try to come up with these, these fictions, these concocted examples, these fantasies. They're utterly extreme in order to make their case. Why don't they stick with the facts? But anyway, go ahead.
0: Prosecution, no criminal liability for that. Chief Justice's opinion against Madison and uh, uh, and our constitution and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked you a a yes, no, yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6. to I love it when
1: judges say that I asked you a yes or no question. I don't know. You ramble on with your question. So your question was not posed. In a way that provides for a yes or no you're talking about the Constitution of the United States a case really a first impression as a result of the Obama regime bringing the case in the first place constantly bringing up these first impression cases using phony charges like the Klan charges and so forth and then you have to hear these these judges say that it was yes or no this isn't a criminal trial this is an appellate court or you're trying to work through the complexities of the Constitution and law. I asked you yes or no. Well, if the answer is yes, then Obama could be charged, or could have been.
0: Go ahead. He was not impeached. Would he be subject to criminal prosecution if he were impeached and convicted first? And so, so your answer is. Is, no. is, my answer is qualified. Yes, there is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. And in these exceptional cases, as the OLC memo itself points out from the Department of Justice, you'd expect a speedy impeachment and conviction. But what and the you know
1: about the OLC documents, 1973 and 2000, because we've discussed them at length during the history of this program. By this program is much, much different. I've discussed them here behind this microphone. I've discussed them on The Blaze. I've discussed them on Fox. I've waved them around. I've highlighted them. It's been the position of the Department of Justice for more than half a century under Republican and Democrat attorneys general, under Republican and Democrat presidents, that you cannot indict a sitting president because you will decapitate that branch of government. And in effect, you would really have the executive branch decapitating itself since the president is the executive branch and the Department of Justice supposedly reports to him despite all these talk, oh, talks maybe it is, maybe it isn't but that's irrelevant so it would indict itself and when you really think this through logically and rationally the whole thing is absurd if a president says you can't indict me he's the head of the executive branch then he can't be indicted Let me repeat that, because that will confuse a lot of phony legal scholars, phony professors, and phony pundits with websites. The president is the head of the executive branch. Theoretically, he can tell the attorney general, any U.S. attorney, all his appointees, and a special counsel, not particularly special, sorry, drop your charges. You're going to run in front of courts and get an opinion? Excuse me, he's the head of the executive branch. He can tell anybody in any department what to do. None of them are elected. They're all his appointees. And if they're not his appointees, they're part of the vast administrative state. He's in charge of all of it. He's mentioned in the Constitution. There is no Department of Agriculture. There is no Department of Justice. There's no Attorney General. There's no U.S. Attorneys. There's no Federal Criminal Code. There is him. He himself. Him. So if you really want to follow the text of the Constitution, really want to make an argument that these judges would laugh at because they're so over the edge, same with these phony professors, a president of the United States would actually have the power if we were following the Constitution, which they claim to be doing and they're not, to say, all right, drop the case against me. What do you mean? We're going to the Supreme Court to get an answer. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. You report to me. You don't report to the Supreme Court. They've implied judicial review. That's it. Yes, they're in the Constitution, but I'm in charge of you. And I have the power to make executive decisions. Well, the court has said this, the court has said that, but if we were to rewind all the way to the beginning, it wouldn't matter. Okay, now we go forward. You order uh, seal team six to assassinate your political rivals. What should happen? And she wants you to use that absurd example to make constitutional law. To make constitutional law. Seal Team 6 to assassinate your political rivals. What do we do under those circumstances? And I need a yes or no answer. What do you mean you need a yes or no answer? What kind of an idiotic question is that, Judge? Of course, he can't say that. How about we deal with what's going on today? Today. If you want to make exceptions to post-presidential immunity, that's fine. In cases of murder, okay. If a president orders the murder of a political rival, we'll stipulate. Make an exception for that, but that's not what Trump did. That's what Mark would have said. Go ahead, make your whole list of horribles. But the whole purpose of having a, ju- a judiciary to adjudicate complicated matters is not for yes or no answers. As I said, this isn't a trial court, this is a circuit court where you're actually trying to think through the application of the Constitution. You're not ruling on the facts, you're ruling on the Constitution. That is, what does the Constitution say? What was the intention of the framers? So if he orders a hit by SEAL Team 6 against a political rival, of course he would be impeached and removed from office. So the issue of indicting him as president would be probably irrelevant. But can you indict him after the fact? Well, go ahead, judge. You can say, look, this is an area that is relatively clear, but there can be some very extreme cases. And maybe we'll make exceptions for very extreme cases. But this isn't that, despite their best efforts to try and portray it as that. Now, I want to continue with this so you all have a better understanding than anybody else walking on the face of the earth. I'll be right back. Mark
0: Levin.
1: you could call this show public service radio could not you Mr. Benetton? In fact listening to Judge Pan ladies and gentlemen as I sit here during the break and mull this over further her example proves the point why do you have to go all the way out there with your hypothetical? Why do you have to make a preposterous example as an argument for the tail wagging the dog so to speak? And what is her answer? to past presidents. We've had past presidents who've ordered assassinations of foreign individuals and so forth. What about that? And what would they have done? Charged Ronald Reagan with a crime over Iran-Contra? You damn well better bet they would. And so it would turn the entire system upside down. That's why half a century of thought processes by Republicans and Democrats alike have said, don't open this door. Forget about Seal Team 6. It hasn't happened. And if it happens, you deal with it. But you don't make law based on a hypothetical. And they have to create these hypotheticals, don't they? I've got a lot more I want to tell you about who this judge is, thanks to our friend Julie Kelly, but I want to get on with analysis of this a little bit further because it's important It's important that you know about your Constitution and what's taking place in these courtrooms. I'll be right back. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. So here we have a federal circuit judge. He's a radical leftist, and I will demonstrate that in a moment. He uses the case, the example of a president ordering SEAL Team 6 to murder a political rival to try and demonstrate that you cannot have blanket immunity during or after a presidency. Now what's amazing about that example is it underscores the outrageous targeting of Donald Trump. Why? Because Donald Trump was not charged with insurrection. Donald Trump was not charged with seditious conspiracy. Donald Trump was not charged with any violent act or conspiring to commit any violent act. So her example demonstrates what? How extreme these courts and these prosecutors have become. Most Americans would agree that if a president orders... the the murder of a political rival, that there should be some kind of an exception carved out under such an absurd example. But that's not the case. Despite all the talk about insurrection and sedition and violence, despite having tens of millions of dollars been spent by the Biden administration, the Department of Justice, and the prosecutor. Two federal grand jury. Endless opportunities to investigate. Endless FBI agents and assistant prosecutors. At the behest of the special counsel. They have not found a shred of evidence of insurrection, of sedition. Or violence. Directed by, reported by, encouraged by Trump, the best they can do is say, well, he was silent. He wasn't that interested in it. That's not a crime. You may not like it politically, but that's not a crime. That was another answer, but it's easy for me with 2020 hindsight to give the answer. Who is this Judge Pan? This is why you listen to this show. Yeah, I know. I'm not glitzy. We're serious and we're substantive. Our friend Julie Kelly posts some information on Judge Florence Pan, one of the judges on the three judge panel hearing oral arguments on Trump's appeal today of Judge Trunken's order denying presidential immunity in the January 6th case. Pan was appointed by Joe Biden. And she's married to Max Steyer, Max Steyer, a Democrat Party activist and one of Brett Kavanaugh's chief antagonists. Steyer claimed he observed Kavanaugh engaged in lewd behavior at Yale. He reported it to the FBI and Senate during Kavanaugh's debacle of a hearing. He was recently featured in a film about Kavanaugh that criticized the FBI's investigation into various claims. This is their husband. A longtime D.C. fixture, Judge Pan, has friends in high places. From the Washington Post in 2021, quote, One of her first hearings Wednesday from 2021, Pan took over the politically sensitive lawsuit brought by 2016 Trump campaign advisor Carter Page against the FBI, DOJ, and several formal officials alleging they unlawfully surveilled and investigated him during the FBI's Russia probe. A D.C. veteran, Pan offered to recuse herself from the case saying she's been friends with the lawyer for defendant Lisa Page. A former FBI attorney, Ponce said she has known Paige's attorney, former Justice Department of Lawyer, Amy Jeffries, for 27 years, attended her wedding, and met Paige at a party. Jeffries is married to D.C. District Court Judge Chris Cooper, who was appointed by Obama. Look at the incestuous relationship of this. And Merrick Garland officiated that wedding. Although three judge panels are supposed to be randomly selected, writes Julie Kelly, Judge Pan oddly is seated on unusually high percentage of consequential political cases. She was on both panels to hear arguments on an appeal related to 1512C2 obstruction of official proceeding. That would be the Enron Acts. The Enron Acts. Pan was the decisive two-to-one judge in both of those decisions, upholding the Department of Justice's use of the post-Enron statute, which is extremely controversial. Her lead opinion, lead opinion in Fisher versus USA is now under review by the Supreme Court. She's sort of a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals radical hack, even though she's on the D.C. Circuit. But look at all the political connections, and they all go one way. How can this woman even have been confirmed with the vote of Lindsey Graham, among others, to be on the court? While Pan admitted the novel, quote-unquote, use of this statute in J6 cases, more than 300 Defendants were slapped with evidence tampering felony for their conduct on January 6th under that controversial use of that statute, as is Donald Trump, but she nonetheless adopted the broadest reading of the statute to uphold DOJ's interpretation. Pan and Childs, also on today's panel, upheld Judge Beryl Howes, and she appointed by Obama and worked for Patrick Leahy non-disclosure order preventing Trump from notifying, excuse me, preventing Twitter from notifying Trump about Jack Smith's subpoena of his data. And Judge Howe's $350,000 fine against the, the company. Pence said the whole point of the non-disclosure order was to avoid tipping off former president about the warrant's existence. Well, why? Why? So there you have a cabal of leftist Democrats, activists, one on a district court, one on a circuit court. And you know they're in the same social circles. You know they're buddies. A decision, by the way, that never should have been made in D.C. since the alleged crime happened in southern Florida. PON expressed no jurisdictional concerns whatsoever. PON has been assigned to several panels for appeals filed by January 6th defendants. Just last week. She denied the appeal of Russell Alfred, convicted by a D.C. jury of four misdemeanors and sentenced by Judge Chunken to a year in prison. This is the thinking January 6th is must deal with. Henderson on today's panel wrote this, but panel Bapan concurred. Trial evidence indicated that during Alfred's brief time within the Capitol, he was neither violent nor destructive. Nevertheless, we affirm his convictions because a jury could rationally find that his unauthorized presence at the Capitol as part of an unruly mob contributed to the disruption of Congress's electoral certification and jeopardized public safety. This man was inside the Capitol for 11 minutes, didn't do a thing, didn't touch a person, didn't break anything, and he does a year in federal prison because his very presence was intimidating. Hans' performance today was less than compelling. Superior, smug, combative, and dull. She clearly came in ready to defend the Department of Justice and Jack Smith. And her preposterous hypothetical that I just discussed with you, about a president using SEAL Team 6 to kill a political rival, was a setup to result in all the deadlines we are already seeing. Now what she means by that is, it is extraordinary that this appeal court, appeals panel of the appeals court even took up this case as quickly as it did. Because Judge Pahn and the other radical left-wing Democrat judges on the circuit court that oversees the other radical left-wing judges on the district court, they're in a hurry. This has to be decided fast. Because Hitler is Donald Trump. and We've got to stop Hitler. And when you heard Joe Biden the other day in his speech. And Pahn and the others are very receptive to what he has to say stop Trump he's Hitler he's a dictator he threatens democracy and yet these judicial oligarchs these judicial tyrants we don't have to talk about what will happen prospectively they're doing it present-day Keller writes as I have suggested to some office holders and candidates the DC federal courts must be shut down well Julie as I've suggested here behind this microphone for microphone for several years even before the Trump situation. Don't, you can't shut it down. You can break it up. Break up the D.C. courts. Break up their jurisdictional authority. Congress has that power. We've had judiciary acts since the beginning of our republic. Break them up. And rather than shut down the courts, you can eliminate some of these judicial positions. So we're close. I agree on most of this. That it's the only way to quote-unquote reform, as you can see. Imagine being a defendant in front of these judges and knowing you don't have a chance, and that's the situation Donald Trump's in right now. That's the situation. Judge Karen Henderson was appointed by George H.W. Bush. She's on the panel. And she raised a question with James Pierce, They assistant special counsel at the Department of Justice. In other words, one of Jack Smith's thugs. Cut four, go. How do we write
0: an opinion that would stop the floodgates? Your uh, predecessors in their OLC opinions recognize that criminal liability would be unavoidably political. So... A couple of responses. For one, of course, that was with respect to a sitting president. I think the analysis is is extraordinarily different with respect to a former president, which which OLC in that very same I'm sorry. But not with respect to uh, being necessarily political. Well, I think the, the, there is a political process, which is impeachment, and we can talk about that. But there is a legal process, which is decidedly not political. And that is a process which has the kinds of safeguards that a couple of. Course of course, uh, it is
1: political and we know it. And there have been political prosecutors. What kind of an ass is this guy? Well, we know there's a criminal process that's not political. Really, isn't it amazing? The Democrat Party for decades has argued. That the courts are skewed against minorities, that the courts are skewed against uh, certain types of defendants and so on. But now the courts are perfect. The courts are not political. No. Judge Trunkin, she's a straight shooter. Judge Pan, she's a straight shooter. Judge Howell, straight shooters, forget about their past. Forget about their ideology. Forget about their comments about Donald Trump on and off the record. No, and let me tell you something. I know enough judges and I have over the decades. I'm serious about this. I am well aware that they talk about their cases, usually they're cloistered with each other that is of an ideological bent, often at lunch, sometime at parties. This is a ruse. This is a joke. The system is not political. Really? Go look at the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. Tell me that's not political. The people who run it? When we were there, it was a rat's nest of leftists with an agenda. Oh, that's not political. And if it's not political, why do we have political appointees at the Department of Justice? The Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General, the Associate Attorney General, the Assistant Attorneys General of every major division, the Deputy Assistants, the Associate Deputies... All, almost, but many political appointees, but it's not political. Oh, it's that political? Not fooling me. I was chief of staff at that department. It's a rat's nest. Thousands of employees. When we were there in the Meese and Reagan administrations, we had holdovers from the Robert Kennedy period. We had LBJ lawyers over there. They were radical as hell. They would leak to their Washington Post and the New York Times. What's prosecutorial discretion mean? Well, they're not political. Ladies and gentlemen, we have thousands and thousands of prosecutors in this country. They're not political. Most DAs are elected. They're not political, that's right. Bragg's not political, that's right. Tish James isn't political, oh, that's right, sure, sure. And yet, when you look at our history, we had many political prosecutors during a period of segregation, which Joe Biden is well aware of, but we have many political prosecutors today. Don't hear me this crap, that politics doesn't play any role whatsoever, The special counsel is example one, bringing cases in Washington, D.C. on documents that were a Florida case, bringing an indictment in a jurisdiction that has nothing to do with it, and then trying to cover his ass. No, 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 Mark, you don't understand. I understand all too well. Go ahead.
0: Here have already referred to. Uh, We're talking about prosecutors who follow who are you know follow strict codes and uh, who are presumed to act with regularity. All right, moron!
1: I've had enough of you. Can't even complete a sentence without. But he speaks for the entire bureaucracy of FBI and prosecutors. He knows. You see, no, we don't have any policies. They follow a very specific. Who does? You can't even name 25 of them. Who does? Mr. Prosecutor. So they have a prosecutor defending prosecutors. Oh, okay, we're not political. Why do you think Biden appointed this woman pan on the circuit court? Political. Why do you think Obama expanded the court with Reed and put three hacks on there? Political. How do you think Trunkin got her job? Political. How do you think? How? from Capitol Hill, got her job, political. They're all political. I'll be right back. Mark lovin'. Right after the hearing today, two reporters were making jokes. You need to listen to this, and it's going to be a little staticky, and I will read it to you afterwards. Cut five, go. You know, the worst
0: part is, even if he has his window open and he's hanging out of it, he'll be on the other side of the <laughs> I mean, if he's driving, we have got a good shot. Yeah, if he's driving with the front window open. Yeah. Or if it's convertible. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Like if he just pulls up by like, JFK? By Nevada, you know? yeah. like a JFK. Just like they told JFK, you, okay, you know what you should do. You should take a
1: convertible. <laughs> it's so nice, out. Here's two reporters joking about assassinating Donald Trump. Now, we don't know who they are, but the media outlets would have no problem figuring it out if it's one of theirs. And let's see if they do it. You know what the worst part is? even if he has his window open and he's hanging out of it, He will be on the other side of the street. In other words, they won't have a good shot. Next reporter, number two. I mean, if he's driving, we'd have a good shot. Reporter number one, yeah, if he's driving with the front window open, reporter number two, yeah, or if it's a convertible, reporter number one, yeah, I was just thinking about that. Reporter number two, yeah, like if he pulls up, reporter number one, like JFK, maybe someone, just like they told JFK, you know what you should do? You should take a convertible. It's so nice out. (laughs) <laughs> two reporters joking about assassinating Donald Trump. Who are they? Will the media ask who are these two reporters? You damn well know if it was any other president or potential candidate they would. But the American people, left, right and in between, we have a right to know who these reporters are. Who are these reporters? And the reporters are such cowards, I'm sure they won't come forward and identify themselves. They're joking about an assassination of a former president and a presidential candidate. And they think it's funny. And I want you to understand, America, this is the mindset of the American media. This is why they keep calling Trump Hitler. This is why they keep trying to dehumanize the man. Who are these two reporters, Jake Tapper? Who are these two reporters, Joe Scarborough? Media corporations. Who are these reporters? This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. One more legal thing, then I'm going to move on. We broke the story here from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, or at least broke it on radio. Two minutes in to the report that uh, Willis and her Fanny—I mean, Fanny Willis—is reportedly, allegedly, presumably uh, having an affair with her special prosecutor who she hired out of the private law firm, who's spent almost $700,000, which she has approved, and the allegation is that she also has gone on these swanky trips with him, which he's paid for with the monies authorized by Fanny, that is, taxpayer money. As Breitbart puts it, Wanda Hessebel Fulton County DA Fannie Willis' top county prosecutor met twice. Listen to this. Hello. We also talked about this, but it's a big deal. Met twice with President Joe Biden's White House counsel. Before indicting former President Donald Trump in August, a motion filed Monday said. So what needs to happen now? An expansive. An expansive opportunity. For the defendants, especially Mike Roman and his lawyer to question individuals in the White House Counsel's Office, to question Fannie and her boyfriend, that is the prosecutors, to determine the extent to which they have abused their power and abused the finances of the taxpayers of Fulton County and, and Georgia to bring these charges I notice that the usual propagandists in the media are kind of playing this down. Well, you know, things happen. Plus, it's just an allegation, who knows. Real names, real records, not anonymous, which is what the media usually run with. It's a reason why the Washington Post is going broke, and it needs one of the wealthiest men on the planet to subsidize it, because it's crap. Nobody reads it. Nobody wants to. The explosive filing raises questions about whether the White House coordinated presenting President Biden's 2024 political prosecuting, that is, opponent. Trump faces a maximum of 76.5 years in state prison if convicted of 13 charges. And I'm here to tell you the Biden regime is behind all of it, directly and indirectly, in the shadows. If the media were serious, they would investigate it and expose it. But why would they? They're running the 1964 campaign against Barry Goldwater and for Lyndon Johnson. They're switching the roles. Barry Goldwater, the great civil rights advocate. Lyndon Johnson, the racist segregationist. And then as president, it was Barry Goldwater, the racist segregationist, and Lyndon Johnson, the civil rights leader. This is how they function. An exhibit F of the motion filed by Mike Roman, a political operative and co-defendant with Trump and Georgia case. Roman argues that Nathan Wade, Willis's Fannie's lead prosecutor, met with Biden's White House counsel on May 23, and November 18, 2022, before indicting Trump. And notice how congressional Democrats are absolutely silent. This doesn't bother them. They're utterly incurious. Dizzy Lizzy is making the rounds again. The usual platforms that have no viewers, no watchers. Wade charged Fulton County taxpayers $2,000 for both meetings. Billing $250 an hour for eight hours, the filing says. Translation, writes Mike Davis, Biden has his hands in all four bogus indictments against his top political enemy. Number one, Biden, though his deputy White House counsel Jonathan Su waived Trump's claim of executive privilege. This led to the unprecedented home raid on Trump and Jack Smith's appointment. That's right. Jack Smith's appointment. And two bogus indictments against Trump. Matthew Colangelo got sent from the Biden DOJ's number three's office to Soros funded Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office to bring the first bogus indictment against Trump. Nathan Wade, Fulton County D.A. Fannie Willis's special prosecutor and secret boyfriend, had Georgia taxpayers pay for his two meetings with the Biden White House. See what's going on? But when you have the media, when you have the Department of Justice, when you have the FBI, it just keeps trucking along like nothing at all is going on. Biden's behind all of it, and then he's screaming like a mental patient in a padded room as he goes from place to place yelling about democracy and suggesting you are brown shirts and Trump is Hitler. And then we have two reporters today outside of the, right outside of the courtroom joking about an assassination of Donald Trump as if it were JFK. We don't have the reporter's name. I'm demanding that these news organizations find out who these reporters are. They sent their reporters, those that did, and so it's not that hard to figure it out for them. And then there's this. Joe Biden, the plagiarist. Now, Joe Biden's a plagiarist. Claudine Gay's a plagiarist. They're filled with plagiarists over there. And this from the RNC, Hillary Clinton March 2007 and then Biden yesterday cut 10 go
0: I don't feel no ways tired I come too far from where I started from nobody told me that the road would be easy I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me we've come too far from where we started Nobody told me the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. My fellow Americans, I don't think the good Lord brought us this far to leave us behind.
1: So he plagiarizes her and she plagiarized somebody else, by the way. Biden, yesterday. him. But that's okay. It's okay. He's on the right side of things, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good guy, really. It's 2024, and a lot of us, well, are having to deal with a lot of obstacles. A lot of you folks, especially, the finances are completely out of control. What's going on in this government? You can earn a decent wage, and a decent wage doesn't take you very far these days. People used to offset the cost of food. Maybe they would have fast food, but fast food is expensive now relatively speaking there is no cheap food anymore Mr. Perdue you go out and buy dog food today it's expensive but don't worry Washington has told us the economy is great oh there's jobs everywhere inflation is way down they're liars this is why Joe Biden's running as George Washington and not Joe Biden He's not running on his record. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The holidays have come and gone, and once again, you were too generous. Don't worry, though. Pure Talk has your back. So instead of paying Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile 60 70 80 bucks a line, Pure Talk has unlimited plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. Get phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network just 20 bucks a month. Friends, this is how the average family saves almost thousand dollars a year. It's time to switch to a wireless company that shares your values. A company that isn't afraid to invest in shows like this, a company that is veteran- owned and serves veterans. So do what I did. Switch to Pure Talk. Don't wait anymore. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team is waiting to serve you. That's puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to be connected right now. Don't wait any longer. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin to start off the year saving on wireless with a company you can be proud of, Pure Talk. I have to get something off my chest that doesn't really relate to anything I've been talking about. But I've really been grinding my teeth. My blood's been boiling over this. There's really only one way to get the hostages out, those who are still alive, from control of these terrorists, and these women are being raped repeatedly, they're being brutalized, they're being murdered. And notice we don't hear anything about the men, Mr. Producer. We've heard some stories of rape against the men. In 1972, when the peaceful moderate Palestinians, under Arafat, the PLO, today they call themselves the Palestinian Authority, During the 1972 Munich Olympics, they kidnapped the Israeli Olympians. Now, during the course of that, many of you may not know this, they castrated in front of the others Israel's weightlifter, Mr. Producer. They castrated them. And of course they killed them. It's not just a one-year-old baby that's still being held hostage, assuming that baby's alive. I mean, the baby needs a lot of attention and so forth. And little children, teenage girls being raped repeatedly and brutalized, mothers and grandmothers the same, What's happening to the men and the boys? There's really only one way to bring this hostage issue to an end. And people are not going to like this, but you're dealing with terrorists. And I understand I will come under attack for this, but I don't care. The truth is the truth. That is, for Israel to take hostages too. And I don't mean to brutalize them and attack them and rape them. Israel would never do that. The Jewish heritage would never permit it, nor should it. But what I mean is not in the traditional sense of a hostage. I mean in order to make a swap. Because that's why these hostages were taken in the first place. This is what Hamas does, Islamic Jihad, the Muslim Brotherhood. And I'm not even talking about innocent Palestinians. I'm talking about Hamas Palestinians. I'm not even talking about women and children. I'm talking about Hamas terrorists. POWs, they say. No. You want them back? You give us our people back. And just because Joe Biden is weak just because Joe Biden spends billions and billions to get hostages back and so the enemy takes more hostages it doesn't mean that every country needs to demonstrate that kind of lunacy and insanity. We have a hundred of your Hamas terrorists. A hundred of them. We want our people back. And by the way You lay one finger on our beautiful girls anymore. We will hunt down the perpetrators and we will kill them. Period. That's not even proportionality. No, you don't take the women and the children. You don't brutalize them and torture them and rape them. Period, but you take the combatants and you use them as pawns you don't take your own people back in exchange for a ceasefire that gives the enemy an upper hand it'll never work for the Israelis you certainly don't listen listen to Biden and Blinken if you want to lose a war if you want to lose more of your people, if you want to suffer another October 7 attack where your women and children are raped and brutalized and beheaded and all the rest, then go ahead and listen to Biden and Blinken. Go ahead. Put all the pressure on Israel. They say let the Gazans go back to their homes. When you finally stop what you're doing, Israel, and we would like a diplomatic resolution, a diplomatic resolution with terrorists, America, isn't that been the problem? Diplomatic? They don't honor resolution. It doesn't matter. These are the lunatics that we're dealing with, the dangerous, suicidal lunatics in Biden and Blinken. They would never allow this to happen in their communities. Never. In fact, they keep funding the enemy. They haven't cut a penny from Iran. They haven't increased the oil sanctions. They've taken all those off. They haven't cut a penny from the Hamas-run Gaza through UNRWA. And we're now finding that people working for the UN UNRWA, many of them are Hamas terrorists. And they're pouring money into the Palestinian Authority, the old Arafat PLO, who are killing Jews in Judea and Samaria, and blaming the Jews. So why is this relevant? You have a secretary of defense that has prostate cancer, and he goes in for a procedure, and he's under general anesthesia. And nobody in the White House knows about it. The president of the United States doesn't know about it. The Deputy Secretary of Defense is vacationing in Puerto Rico. She doesn't come back. The Chief of Staff has the flu, and he's at home, and he doesn't come in. That's the kind of administration we have, ladies and gentlemen. The Secretary of Defense, the Deputy Secretary of Defense, the Chief of Staff to the Secretary of Defense are AWOL, and the White House isn't even aware of it or pretends not to be aware of it. So Joe Biden, I guess, doesn't really keep in touch with what's going on militarily, does he? The holidays have come and gone. And once again, you were too generous. Don't worry though. Pure talk has your back. So instead of paying Verizon, AT&T or T-Mobile 60, 70, 80 bucks a line. Pure Talk has unlimited plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. Get phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network just 20 bucks a month. Friends, this is how the average family saves almost thousand dollars a year. It's time to switch to a wireless company that shares your values. A company that isn't afraid to invest in shows like this, a company that is veteran-owned and serves veterans. So do what I did. Switch to Pure Talk. Don't wait anymore. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team is waiting to serve you. That's puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to be connected right now. Don't wait any longer. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin to start off the year saving on wireless with a company you can be proud of. Pure Talk.
0: Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811.
1: I want to thank you folks. You are as loyal as can be. Our weekend shows on Fox are really killing it. Now, let's take Sunday as an example. As you know, my show on Fox on Sunday is in the teeth of it. It's on 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We had a very crucial NFL football game on that began at, I think, 8.10 or 8.15. You had the Golden Globes and you had 60 Minutes. Not to mention there's CNN and MSNBC and all the rest that goes on in your lives in the lives of others. And we just keep hitting it out of the park, thanks to you. Thanks to you. We just keep... I mean, again, it's like the slot 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time on radio. It is the most difficult slot in radio as 8 p.m. Saturday or Sunday Eastern Time is the most difficult slot on television. And yet, we defeat our competition. Whether it's radio and any other talk show that we're up against, we crush them. And same with Fox. And that's thanks to you, not me. You're the one showing up. And I cannot thank you enough. And I always try to take the time, whether it's radio or TV or books, to thank you because you're engaged. I spoke to a sponsor the other day, a new sponsor, and I ask, I'm always inquisitive about these things, I ask, why, why did you decide to spend your limited resources on my program on radio? Because come hell or high water, we always sell out of our time, our advertising time. The CEO of this particular entity said, because your audience is the smartest audience. And we are about educating people about what it is that we are involved in and promoting and our business is built around. That's what he said. And he said, and you as a host dig deeply into issues, really like no other talk show host, but even more, it's very atypical of what happens in talk radio or any radio. And so we have a lot of major advertisers who line up to get into this, pro- into this program, and we are very, very selective. So when you hear an advertiser in this program, just know that we've been very selective. But I thought that was a huge compliment to you, to you. And it is. Because they're right about you. They're right about you. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot more going on in this country. Michelle Obama the other day, tell me, why is she so great? The media keep playing her up as some kind of superstar. Based on what? Intelligence? She's not particularly intelligent. Her books? I'm sure she didn't write them. Most people don't. Her love of country, she doesn't love the country. And look, hashtag, what was that hashtag about when Me Too, hashtag Me Too? So when little Christian girls, African girls, were kidnapped, were kidnapped by, you bet, you got it, Islamist terrorists in Africa. She famously had a photo of herself on the internet, social media. Hashtag bring back our girls I think it was, yes. Now that's very interesting because in all this hate and horror that's taking place with these Israeli girls and some of them are Americans. She didn't dust off that sign and say, bring back our girls. Hashtag bring back our girls. I greatly dislike Michelle Obama because of that. She's gotten a pass from every media outlet in the country. Although it is mentioned on Fox, but I'm talking about newsrooms all over the country. She's not condemned for it. So why would she withhold Hashtag bring back our girls when it comes to Jewish girls. That's a legitimate question that's not asked by Mediaite, which is sort of a national enquire of prebubescent immaturity and childness and child-like activities over there. It's a pointless and useless site. It tries to be Media Matters, which in my view is a tyrannical operation. They don't bring it up. They bring it up. They certainly aren't critical. You want to go to those sites, Media Matters is endlessly character assassinating Fox, and Mediaite is endlessly character assassinating Trump. Just the way they roll, they roll on dog crap. But Michelle Obama is on Jay Shetty's podcast. I don't know who the hell Jay Shetty is, but it's called On Purpose. And now she wants to add her two cents worth about her fear should Joe Biden not get reelected. She's afraid for the country that she hates, that she wants to fundamentally transform. She's afraid for the country, which she claims and was founded by supremacists. She's afraid of what will come.
0: Cut nine, go. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. You know, the fact that people think that government, eh, you know, it's, it's, it does it really even do anything. And I'm like, oh, my God, does government do everything for us? And we cannot take this democracy for granted. And sometimes I, f- I worry that we so do. First of all,
1: listen to that stupidity. Government does everything for us, if I understand her kind of convoluted uh, talk there, but government does everything for us. And then in the same breath, she talks about a democracy. I think she means a constitutional republic, but for the left, they don't understand and they don't compute these things, but we do. But that said, we'll play around. We'll play along. So democracy for Michelle Obama... Is about government doing everything for us. See what I mean? This is why they tried to destroy a Goldwater and a Reagan. This is why they try to destroy Trump, who doesn't believe that. It's not ideological with him, it's common sense with him. Or even a DeSantis as they keep pushing Nikki Haley. When we come back, I want to discuss the Iowa caucuses. No, that's not a place that is a voting process, the caucuses. I'll be right back.
0: Mark Lovin.
1: The holidays have come and gone, and once again, you were too generous. Don't worry, though. Pure Talk has your back. So instead of paying Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile 60 70 80 bucks a line, your talk has unlimited plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. Get phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network, just 20 bucks a month. Friends, this is how the average family saves almost $1,000 a year. It's time to switch to a wireless company that shares your values. A company that isn't afraid to invest in shows like this. A company that is veteran-owned and serves veterans. So do what I did. Switch to Pure Talk. Don't wait anymore. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team is waiting to serve you. That's puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, To be connected right now. Don't wait any longer. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin to start off the year saving on wireless with a company you can be proud of. Pure Talk. Those of you in Iowa, New Hampshire, even elsewhere, who are thinking of voting for Nikki Haley, I have a question for you. Why? And so the people who think they're going to vote for her? talk about they like the way she talks, they like the way she approaches issues, they like the way... Do. One of the things they never say, Mr. Producer, is that she's a conservative. Have you noticed that? She sprints away from that title. What are her principles exactly? There aren't any. I said she's George Bush in address, dress, and really I feel like I'm being too hard on George Bush. She's more like John Kerry in a dress for her flip-flopping as a nine-year-old had to remind us a week ago when he confronted her. She's hoping that millions and millions of dollars provided to her by billionaire rhinos, like this guy Lagone, or whatever his name is, one of the founders of Home Depot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I looked at the others. I really did. I looked at them, Neil, and she's just the best. Are guys like Jamie Dimon, left-wing Democrats, Wall Streeters. Well, I didn't say vote for her. I said she'd be great as a nominee. You know, that would be good. I didn't say she should be the president, but I, I think that people really ought to support her. Good mealy mouth. But there are other billionaires. There is no reason to vote for Nikki Haley. Unless you want a Romney or a Bush. Nikki Haley doesn't really want to come on conservative talk radio. Now she'll come on my buddy Hugh Hewitt's show. Hugh Hewitt's a good friend of mine. We go back to the Reagan days. Really a good friend, but he's a rhino. It's nothing personal. He is what he is. He's a proud rhino. He was for Ford against Reagan. Much like Mitch McConnell. That's okay. She'll go on his show. She won't go on my show. So how is she going to stand up to the Marxists on the left? Answer, she's not. Exactly the wrong person we need to help save this country at this time. Just another Republican establishment type. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. After the bottom of the hour, we're going to take some calls. I know people are calling in. Let's get them ready. Let's try and take people who are, uh, well, you know the test. You know the test. The test is people who are going to be interested. So there's a site called Semaphore, and I've been highly critical of it. One of its breaking stories was that my stepson was working with the DeSantis campaign on issues involving Israel and Jews, and that got them very upset. And they tried to claim I was covering this up. I never cover up anything. I just don't talk about my kids and who they work for, who they vote for, and stuff like that. Why is that anybody's business? Does anybody else have to do that? Does a single reporter at Semaphore do that? Or mediaite, or any of these, rep- of course not. Our kids are independent; they're all conservatives, and they think for themselves. They didn't do a story on our daughter, who's a big time Trump supporter, or the other kids, and that's just the way it is. When you have a family. And that's fine by me. At least they're not supporting Bernie Sanders or some Marxist Islamist buffoon. But I speak for myself. I'm the one on radio, I'm the public figure. And I think Nikki Haley is a disaster on cultural issues, on the border. She's supposed to be great on foreign policy, a disaster. And we have no room for a disaster. It's like you have a choice. And she's the Gerald Ford in the race. She's the George W. Bush in the race. Even more, she's the Mitt Romney in the race. Why do you think Democrats are running to her? Why do you think the media keep promoting her? Why do you think they keep saying she has a chance in New Hampshire? I don't know if she does or not, but they have an open primary in the Republican Party in New Hampshire. Stupid, stupid, stupid. But they do. And that's what Sununu's counting on. Independents and Democrats. Now think about that. just as Chris Christie's depending on Democrats. It's fine for a general election, but we need to nominate somebody who shares our principles and views, no? But I just want to continue to demonstrate to you just how sinister the American media are. And it's not the American media is, it's the American media are. Media is plural, even though there's not an S on the end of it, because you're talking about Media organizations. Now, technically, the word press is considered singular. So, is the press? Are the media? All right, this for another day. Anyway, over there at Semaphore, and I have a nickname for them that I mention in uh, private and not in public Semaphore. What, Mr. Medusa? Anyway, they have an article that's worth reading, even though they receive all kinds of money from Communist China through seminars and the like. But this one's interesting. Presidential privilege, Biden's re-election campaign. Ready, America? In addition to censoring you like no president since the racist segregationist Woodrow Wilson, the racist segregationist Biden of course censored us in ways that even federal judges couldn't believe. And they're still at it. They're still monitoring us by the millions. They never withdrew that, that directive, that memo from the Attorney General to all federal police state, all federal law enforcement, about parents. They're still sending SWAT teams after pro-lifers and arresting pro-lifers who truly are peacefully protesting in front of abortion clinics. You must not. And they're now targeting, according to Matt Graves, the U.S. Attorney in Washington, D.C., Thousands of people on January 6th who did literally nothing. And by the way, we reached out to that coward's office. They didn't even get back to us. Matty, you're a putz. P-U-T-Z. Yiddish, you're a putz. Look it up. Biden's re-election campaign has begun organizing a series of off-the-record trips for top political reporters and editors to the team's headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware, and meet senior officials, including the campaign manager, deputies, and other high-ranking advisors for background briefings on campaign strategy. No reporter, no journalist worth their salt in their bloodstream should be attending propaganda events like this, but they can't wait. They're lining up. They're lining up. They're also using it as an opportunity to tell them what they're getting wrong. Two people with knowledge of this situation told Semaphore that during meetings with reporters from outlets like the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and others, campaign officials have invoked a coverage spreadsheet laying out areas where the team believes the reporting has fallen short. We've gone from disinformation boards to social media censorship. And now we've gone to spreadsheets for reporters who literally attend these tours of the Wilmington headquarters. If only we had a free press, ladies and gentlemen, this country would be so different. In particular, campaign officials have chafed at some of the coverage of former President Trump. Listen to this one feeling that outlets are too focused on his legal troubles and haven't paid enough attention to some of his incendiary recent statements on the campaign trail. Is this a joke? Source Familiar told Semaphore that with the exception of its recent meeting with the Times, the campaign meetings had been substantive and productive, and that Biden staffers were scheduled to meet in the coming days with political reporting teams from ABC, NBC, the Wall Street Journal, Fox. Fox, you shouldn't do this. NPR, Reuters, Bloomberg, and others in Washington. Ooh. Freedom of the press. No. We don't have a free press. We have a state-run media. No, it's not officially an appendage of the government. And when I say the government, I only mean when the Democrats are in charge, or the bureaucracy. Not when a Republican's in charge, unless, of course, they're like Nikki Haley. Then they promote them. And you should be very skeptical of that. Why are the media in America? Why are CNN and MSNBC, why are some of the liberal hosts, why are they all talking up Nikki Haley? And so I would tell the people in Iowa who listen to this program, and we have affiliates in every corner of Iowa as we do in every corner of New Hampshire, don't be fooled because that's exactly what she's paying for in Iowa over the past month there have been non-stop campaign ads paid for on TV and radio trashing DeSantis, not Trump DeSantis why? because the planning of the ruling class Republicans and the established Republicans the Mitch McConnell types and he's in hiding right now is for her to come in second in Iowa to get a so-called juggernaut behind her and then beat Trump in New Hampshire. So you should not vote for Nikki Haley in your caucuses in Iowa. Because they're trying to take out the conservatives. The Reaganites. She's not a Reaganite, and she's not a conservative. She's not even running on her record. She's distorting everybody else's record. That's what she's doing. That's why she's backed by the people and organizations you can't stand and you've been fighting all these years. She's backed by the very groups, by the very billionaires. Who you shake your finger at day in and day out and wonder, how did we get this way? What's with the ruling class? Who's going to stand up for us? Who's going to cut the spending? Who's going to secure the border? She's not. Because she's now bought and paid for by the very people who who you are troubled by, who you have been complaining about. And you and Iowa have an opportunity to put an end to this. Whether she believes it or not, whether the media believe it or not. She should come in distant position, even if it's a distant third. Her goal is to be the only contender against Trump, which is why she's spending all this money to smear and assassinate DeSantis. Let's step back and talk about DeSantis. He is the greatest governor in the country. Not because I say so, because everyone else says so. That's why people are flocking to Florida. With all due respect, they're not flocking to South Carolina, even though that's a fantastic state. They're not flocking to New Jersey because Chris Christie did such a great job. They're leaving New Jersey in record numbers. Shut up, you idiot. Chris Sununu, of the Sununu political dynasty in New Hampshire. If he wasn't a Sununu, he'd be nothing. He inherited the governorship. And his old man is a Bush guy. No, that's exactly what we need right now. No, it's not. Nikki Haley was not a stellar governor. She was barely an average governor. Nobody really knows what she did, including people in South Carolina. That's what we need. She's all talk, and she puts money behind it. This is how she went from the state legislature to the governorship. This is how she went from the governorship to this, the uh, ambassador to the UN, and this is how she hopes to become president of the United States. This is her. This is her model. <clears throat> this is her model. I heard her say yesterday at the town hall that Fox had Mr. Producer that you gents out there, you don't know how to discuss abortion. I am so sick of that kind of condescension and hiding behind your gender. And what does that mean, we don't know how to discuss abortion? That is a blatant appeal. That is a liberal trope. A blatant appeal like a leftist to suburban women. My grandmother on my mother's side, who I knew well, she was fantastic. My grandmother on my father's side, I didn't know that well. She moved out west, but I knew her. My mother. My mother. My mother in law. My wife had nothing but contempt for that kind of left-wing feminist bullcrap. All of them had their own businesses. All of them started their small businesses, even though they had many children. Two children in one case, three children in another case. None of them sought government assistance or family leave. They took total responsibility for raising their children and feeding them. Nikki Haley doesn't talk about women like that. I said to my wife today, this is the generation that has truly destroyed the bridge between generations. The moral belief system, the substantive belief system, carrying forward the the work ethic, Past generation, this is the generation, not each and every one of you, I'm not talking about everybody, I'm ta- generationally. This is what's been destroyed now. Oh, family leave. Family leave, what the hell are you talking about? The women I just mentioned in my life, they look at this family leave thing, or they did. So this is Welfare. You get up in the morning, and you balance what you have to do. Women in America, in fact, women all over the world, have been doing this since the beginning of humankind. No, no, you don't understand. Michelle Obama says, in order to live in a democracy, government does everything. Mm Mm-hmm. So Nikki Haley is the opposite. The way my wife, my mother, my mother in law, my grandmother lived their lives and believed and preached, not to the world, not politically, but to their children and their grandchildren. You take responsibility for yourself. You have children, they're your flesh and blood. You should love them, they're your first priority. Don't look for a government handout because when you take something from government, it's like the mob. Have a work ethic. Get up every day and work. My mother's mother had her children. Eventually she was single. She started a little bar, a little pub, if you will. Lived in a row home in Philadelphia. Started it. Grew it got by, didn't make a lot of money, would eventually lose it or sell it. She didn't complain. She didn't look for a government handout. In fact, there weren't any government handouts. My mother and father started a nursery school when you could back then, and a day camp in the summer. They did everything. My mother was raising three young active, I'll say, boys, my mother and father. And they ran a nursery school with about 30 to 40 kids, five days a week during the school year. They fed them. They had two teachers. They oversaw everything. Remember the mimeograph machine where they would put out the menu. My father did all the handiwork, and he would drive the kids. There was no school bus system back and forth from their homes, all over the suburbs in Philadelphia. Every day he'd get up at 6.30. Every day he'd come home at 8 at night. And I can go on and on about the other ladies in my life, including my wife and my mother-in-law. Nikki Haley does not have that mentality. I'll be right back. Mark
0: Levin.
1: Nikki Haley's in New Hampshire, she's trashing, she's trashing Iowa. She's trashing Iowa. And she has said, in so many words, that you voters in New Hampshire, mostly you independents and Democrats, moving into the Republican primary at the encouragement of Chris Sununu, in order to undermine the entire Republican primary process. She basically says in so many words to you voters in Iowa, you caucus goers in Iowa, no matter what you do, she's telling the voters in New Hampshire, you need to correct whatever happens in Iowa. You need to correct. If they don't vote for me in number two or number one, you need to fix that in New Hampshire. Think about that, Iowa. I'll be right back.
0: The Mark Levin Show. The pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811.
1: What type of a politician, female of course, cites Hillary Clinton as an inspiration for getting involved in politics? And then during the first debate, I think it was, cites Margaret Thatcher. That would be Nikki Haley, of course. Well, that's a chameleon. Margaret Thatcher was a great leader. History says she was a great leader. Hillary Clinton is a reprobate. Always has been and always will be. But you look at a statesman and a leader like Margaret Thatcher, And why was she so great? Because she took on the public sector unions that were destroying her country. She pushed for economic liberty and open markets. She partnered with Ronald Reagan to destroy the Soviet Union. And so much more. And the one thing, and really the only thing I like about the parliamentary system, is the debating that takes place every week, where they They used to set aside two days and now one day in Britain, a Wednesday, where they go at it. See how intelligent people are. But Nikki Haley's not Margaret Thatcher. What's her great reason for running for president in America? Can you think of one? She uses platitudes like it's time for a new generation. There's a lot of reprobates in this new generation. Okay, that's that's that. She wants to be the first woman president. Well, that's great for her, but I don't vote to help her resume. That has nothing to do with our lives or my family or my country, period. But what else is she running on? When we talk about abortion, we need to be compassionate. I am compassionate when I talk about abortion, and so are you. So stop spewing the radical left infanticide agenda and then pretend you're some kind of a... Uh, a compassionate person when it comes to abortion. The truth is nobody knows where the hell you stand on it, and that's purposeful. When it comes to the culture, you refuse to fight that war. Thatcher fought it. You embraced left-wing Disney executives who were undermining the people of Florida, the classrooms in Florida. That's what you did. You were trying to pretend that you were throwing them a lifeline even though you're not in power to move the South Carolina. Would you have liked that South Carolinians to have that kind of powerful corporation pushing their radical left agenda at a California headquarters? You were all for China giving them land in South Carolina before you were against it. You were all for the Palestinians migrating to America after they attacked the Israeli Jews before you were against it. You were all for Donald Trump as president. You weren't going to run against him until you were against him. Ah, no wonder the Democrats like this. And the establishment, because this is how they work. But you have real choices now in Iowa. She goes to New Hampshire, and she tells them to fix whatever comes out of Iowa. She actually said something to the effect... When you're in Iowa, you talk one way, and when you're in New Hampshire, you talk another way. I'm telling you the truth, America. That's the truth. That's Nikki Haley. Perfect rhino. Perfect establishment Republican. Don't be fooled, please. I hear people, one person, one woman. I think she called Sid show in the morning when I was in New Jersey, but I can't remember on WABC, my buddy Sid. And I don't know anything about her, I don't even remember her name, but I just heard the part where she said, I support Nikki Haley, and Sid was a little taken aback, but he was very gracious, very classy. And she couldn't say why. Well, you know, it gives off good vibes, yeah, it's a woman. You know, what the hell? Is this a Miss America contest, or is this a presidential contest? You know, we like to say we want to judge people by their character. We want to judge people on merit. We want to judge what's between their ears, not what's between their legs. Is that how Nikki Haley wants to be judged? No. It's not. It's not. We need somebody who's going to help save this country. We are in dire straits. It is grave. This situation is grave. We cannot allow Democrats and independents voting in New Hampshire to determine who our nominee is. Democrats in New Hampshire are very left-wing. Many of them have moved from Massachusetts, which they've destroyed, of course, to New Hampshire. They're locusts, just like the locusts in and around Washington and the locusts everywhere else. We call them liberal Democrats. They destroy their own communities. They destroy their own state and cities. Then they move on to a well-run Republican area, and they destroy that. I know, I'm, I'm in Virginia. All these buffoons coming from Maryland and D.C. and other liberal enclaves to escape what they've created, to, disca- to escape the people they voted for. They come into another state like Georgia and other states and they keep voting Democrat. Radical. Because they're morons. I'm not supposed to mention this, but I will anyway. Who's going to stop me? Plus, I want to tell you. In the next month or two, give or take, I'm working on it, I'm going to start a new weekly podcast. And I'm going to partner up with a patriotic sponsor. And we are working on this, and we're close to it as I speak. And this is going to be a very unique podcast. It's going to be one half hour on the weekend. That's it. I can't be everywhere at all times for all purposes. I don't want to interfere with our weekly radio show and our weekly podcast. This will be a special one-off every week. Just 30 minutes. Fresh content. And, but that content will be focused. Just like Hillsdale. Just like other institutions on the Constitution, on liberty, on the Declaration, on our history. Because I'm looking for every way possible, here, behind this microphone, to advance the cause of Americanism. This is an idea I've had. Westwood One is all supportive of it. And we will partner with like-minded patriots And we will build this half hour, just half hour, just weekend podcast. And we will build it into a juggernaut, because that's my intention. What do I mean by that? I mean to get it on every platform possible, including, obviously, the podcast. My wife says, how much more can you do? Well, at some point, I'll have to make that decision. So right now, that's what I want to do. And we are working with like-minded conservatives and patriots. And I hope to launch that this year. It'll be very special. It'll be very unique. And we will spread the word. I know you'll love it. Peter Ducey, a real reporter at the White House asking John Kirby what the hell's been going on with this Lloyd Austin and how can we trust you people you kept the secret from the American people for like a week Biden says he wasn't even aware where his own Secretary of Defense was what kind of government is this cut 19 go why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again I think we all recognize and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about uh, the... um. Okay, yeah, propaganda. We don't care if the Pentagon's been honest with itself. That's a bizarre statement. This was a cover-up. The idea that you have the Secretary of Defense at Walter Reed undergoing prostate cancer surgery, which is no joke, and he's under general anesthesia, And nobody knows that the Pentagon, nobody knows that the White House, nobody knows anything. That is a scandal. The Pentagon has been honest with itself. What are they talking about? Does the leadership of the Defense Department know what its mission is? Do they not know when the Secretary of Defense is missing? When Joe Biden turns his face into a solar panel. And Joe Biden goes from place to place like he's insane in a padded room screaming about Trump and Trump's followers. He doesn't know. Tell me, America, who's in charge of our missiles, our nuclear missiles? You don't know that your defense secretary is missing? We've got wars going on all over. We're supplying arms to the Israelis. Things are going on. The Communist Chinese are on the move. They're threatening Taiwan, which means us. And this idiot in the Oval Office doesn't know where his Secretary of Defense is, where his Deputy Secretary is, vacationing in Puerto Rico. You know what? You want a great gig? Join the Biden administration. You don't have to work for 40% of the year. You're on vacation. And then you blame everybody else for your screw ups, especially climate change and Donald Trump. We'll be right back. Much love in Yes, it'd be me. Where you at, Mr. Producer? Mr. Producer, cannot pronounce the word A-N-D. Open your microphone. Say it. End. End? No, say it. End. What do you normally say? I usually say axe. Axed, right? (laughs) Just kidding with you. I love Rich. He's been around a long time, and thank goodness for that. Same with our buddy, the call screener, Stephen. We've had great crews here. Crews. Two people. Three maybe let's take a fantastic caller i'm sure from our great affiliate krla 870 the answer where we're live and national in los angeles california Ajit, how are you
0: i'm well sir thank you for taking my call my name is Omarjit, and uh, i heard you say something about Haley that she was sort of Bishwashi, she is Bishwashi. I don't know her personally. A few years ago, uh, I was re- trying to read her background, and then somewhere along the line, she said she went to. Uh, I think she said to, she changed her religion to Methodist. I'm a Sikh person, S-I-K-H. You probably know about that uh, religion. So let's uh, slow down.
1: You said you're a Sikh. I actually have many friends Sikh, many friends who are Sikh. One in particular, my buddy Reuben in California. Go ahead.
0: Right. So she was born a Sikh woman, and then she goes to, a few years ago, she went to um, the highest uh, seat of Sikh religion, the Amritsar, and she covered her head and everything else. She never told anybody that she had changed her religion to Methodist. I think it was Methodist unless it was Baptist, you know, so I... But
1: you so, know what, I don't have any, she's free to change her religion. That really doesn't bother me.
0: No, no, I, I am just saying the character, you know, she changed but her But you're saying she
1: kind of does these things quietly. Uh,
0: not only quietly, often. And then, you know, now she's thrashing uh, uh, President Trump, and he is the one who put her on the national, international uh, uh, map. And well, you make uh, a good
1: point. Unlike DeSantis, she actually was hired by Donald Trump to a prominent public position where she could give speeches, and she gave good speeches at the U.N. And then she decides to run against her former boss, and I will tell you, Mike Pompeo Secretary of State is no great fan of Nikki Haley's, and he wrote about it, and he worked with her as Secretary of State. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, God bless each and every one of them, freedom fighters all over the world, our brothers and sisters in Israel and Ukraine, and you. My fantastic audience. See you tomorrow.